Good morning, everybody. Um, I am Emily George, and for those who don't know me, I have been a part of this community for, oh my goodness, um, 15 years or so. I started in Dallas and then made my way to Brighton and then joined the Quincy Church plant here about two years ago. So it's wonderful to see you all and to meet you. I also go to this church with my son, Jude. He is going into sixth grade. You may have seen him. He has like a little Bieber haircut. And he's actually in Missouri right now with my family. And um, he's getting into all kinds of good trouble out there on the farm. So happy to be with you this morning. I'm going to open us up in prayer before we start. Also, I just want to say I love that the kids are in here. So don't worry about trying to keep them quiet. They can just be free and run around. And we're going to be blessed by them today. So God, thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you that we get to uh, be in this room and just worship you. We get to gaze upon your face. We get to be filled up and encouraged by one another. And I pray that you would speak to us today. Thank you that you promise power in your word, that your word transforms. And Lord, may it transform us today. May it renew our minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. So ever since Danny asked me to, to speak on the Ten Commandments, I have just been praying and meditating on them and really thinking through them. And um, all I could think about through this was how much I hate rules and love freedom. And I don't know if any of you are like that, but um, I just have always really struggled with rules, especially arbitrary rules. They push my buttons like no other. Um, an example of this is... Have you ever gone to a restaurant and made a reservation for five and there's only three of you that has shown up and they're like, sorry, we can't seat you. I hate that. I just think, come on, we're going to eat and order appetizers. It's going to be worth it. Please just let us sit down. We're parched. Another example, this just happened to me. Um, I was in Missouri with all of my family. I come from a really large family, and we had gone to this water park. So it was all my nieces and nephews and my siblings, and water parks are notorious for loads of rules. And so my family also were a bunch of hooligans with stirring up all kinds of shenanigans, all the way from the oldest to the youngest. And there's just a constant barrage of stop running, feet first, stay in your tube. You know, so we were all just like, oh, feeling that. So then we're like, let's get into the lazy river. So we get it, we're just meandering along and it's lovely, the sun's on us, and we're kind of like linking up with our tubes. And this lifeguard comes by, he's probably like 15, and he's like, you can't hold on to each other in here. You need to let go. And I think it was my nephew was like, why? And he was like, because people can't get down quickly if you're, if you're linked up. And we were like, what is this, the industrious river? I mean, this is the lazy river. Why are you trying to hurry us along? But it was, again, in that moment that I just thought, Lord, have mercy on me. I can't stand being told what to do all the time. So a true rebel at heart. It, it has taken me a long time for pure and true religion to be attractive to me. And it was actually something um, God himself became more attractive to me when I started realizing that his truth was going to offer me a more spacious place. I had, to, I had to really understand that and internalize that. And I needed to see that the gospel was full of power 
and not just a form of godliness. And that was something that he was so faithful to show me. The other thing is, ever since I was little, I've always been a why asker, okay? And so that coupled with being rebellious is, is really tricky and hard too. So if, if there was a certain movie I couldn't watch or a certain place I couldn't go or um, a friend I couldn't hang out with, I was the one that was always like, why? Tell me why. I have to understand why. And thankfully, my parents were very faithful and, and explaining the foundations of decisions to me. And, and I was so appreciative of that because it also um, just it created a firm place inside of me for understanding God's heart and his ways and why he sets things up the way that he does. So I'm, gonna, I'm continuing to give you my context as I was approaching these Ten Commandments. Many of you know I'm a, a public health nurse and, and professional and researcher, and much of my training actually centers on preserving the health and safety and wellness of communities and individuals and our world. And um, part of that is um, I've researched behavior change extensively, and it's something I've thought a lot about. And um, for those who are just familiar with human psychology or behavior change, you know that mandates usually don't work when you want to create sustained and meaningful and positive change. Um, so an example of this is um, like smoking bans and restaurants, right? Yes, it protects the non-smokers, but is it going to really keep someone from lighting up at home? Probably not. That's a mandate that doesn't really create individual behavior change. That has to come from inside. It has to come from true revelation um, of something that's bigger than you that makes you motivated to act, right? So you can imagine, as I've been studying all of this from these lenses by which I've given you, um, I just kept reading these Ten Commandments and thinking, why these rules? You know, why do they matter? Why did God give them to us? Who are they protecting? And I also just have to say, thank God when Jesus came, he reduced the ten to two, because that made it much more palatable for me as well. So the specific commandment I was given is from Exodus 20:15, You shall not steal. And so for today... We're really going to focus on the aspect of this verse as it relates to physical property, possessions. I could go down the path of thinking about stolen time or innocence or any of those things, but most of the commentators really hone in on this being a physical property or finances or resources that one possesses or, or takes or withholds. So when I started thinking about stealing, I was my first thought was sort of like, this seems like one of the commandments that maybe the easiest to keep one of them because it's 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 not private it's not like coveting where it's concealed in your heart i mean stealing has a very real external consequence it involves someone else um, it directly impacts someone and there's a negative consequence usually associated with it but when i started researching stealing and the rates of stealing i was like amazed it happens frequently so let me just tell you a couple of statistics about this so the fbi reports that every five seconds someone's personal property gets stolen and there is one home burglary every 15 seconds and one car theft every 40 seconds and so this 
equals about $3.4 billion of property loss a year. And then, interestingly enough, 65% of people know their thief. Isn't that crazy? Someone that they usually know that's taken something from them. So then, let's look at shoplifting. One in 11 people shoplift. So just look around you right now. <laughs> Hopefully nobody in this room, we're the anomaly. So there was a recent study of shoplifting, and they found that 75% of shoplifters were actually between the ages of 35 and 54. So these aren't kids. These are like our demographic, most of the people in this room. They were gainfully employed, and they were the primary household shopper. So they weren't coming from like a low socioeconomic status. They weren't, most of them weren't living in poverty. They were stealing usually when they wanted something that was stretching beyond their household budget. And so they had set up some closed circuit camera for hours at this mall and they were you know, tracking people and they were usually stealing makeup, shampoo, snacks. Sometimes it was like candy for their kid that they were walking through and their kid was crying or something. They would just take something off the shelf, open it and give it to them. It was so casual and I was amazed by this. And actually, shoplifting, you may have heard this, is called the crime tax because it results in about $10 billion a year that's passed on to us consumers in the form of higher prices. And so it's estimated that about $400 is spent per family um, just to pay for stolen goods every year. So think about that. They're actually raising prices as a result of this one in 11 people doing this on a regular basis. <laughs> So reading this forces the question, why do we steal? Why are we stealing? Well, there are three main reasons that I've identified, and maybe these are an oversimplification, but I think that the first one is that we need and we don't have the means to get. The second is that we want and we cannot have. And the third is that we have and we withhold. And the Bible talks about all three of these throughout, and we're going to go through all three of these. And I would posit that all of these three reasons come from a lie that we believe that God is not going to take care of us, that he doesn't see us, or that we do not have enough from him. So let's start with the first one. We need and do not have the means to get. This one, when I think about, you know, we've often heard about people stealing like food or um, clothing because they don't need it, maybe something for their baby. And this is almost like a more noble term, like noble way of, of thievery. I mean, in even Proverbs 631, 630 and 31 says, um, people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he is starving. So even in the Bible, there are lots of verses that talk about, you know, we can understand needing something so badly or if you need formula or something and you go out and give it, but it's not without consequence because the latter part of that verse says, yet if he is caught, he must pay sevenfold, though it costs him all the wealth of his house. Um, I remember when Jude was just an infant, I had, um, I actually didn't even have a car. I borrowed a car and I drove, it's probably Jill's car, drove out to Target and um, I had a cart full of stuff and I got out to the parking lot and I put Jude, I was strapping him in and I turned around and all my diapers were gone. 
It was just in that moment that I couldn't even see anybody in the parking lot. Everything else was in there, but the diapers were gone. And I thought someone, it was so violating because I thought someone must have been following me. Someone saw that. They knew exactly where to run. Maybe they just got into a car. Um, and it was also in that moment, I had that, that like noble, like I thought, bless that person. They must have needed that way more than I did, you know, it, but it was just so jarring. The other thing is, the other reason I think we still, I want to talk about is that we want and we cannot have. So this is the second one. This is a little different because there's something in us that I think is really rooted in greed or entitlement that comes out in us. There is something that we cannot wait for, we haven't saved enough for, we see it and we just want it. It's an impulsive behavior or, or we just um, take it into our own hands. And I think that, again, this is really rooted in, in greed and entitlement. And what's interesting that I didn't tell you about some of these stealing statistics were that a lot of shoplifting, most of it happens from people who work at these establishments. And I was thinking about... Um, when I worked in the restaurant industry, we were not allowed to like take soda from the soda stream. We had to buy it or food. It was like half price for us. And I remember when I was like 18 or 19, always taking soda from that thing because I felt like they owed it to me while I was working. And I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but I would never go into a restaurant and go behind the counter and get that. But when I was working there, there was something in me that really felt justified in that. And it wasn't until later, as God was transforming my heart, that I was realizing like that was not being honorable to the person that was paying my bills and paying for me to work there. But I think that that same desire where we go and take something that doesn't belong to us, it's because we are impatient. We don't believe that we can wait. We don't have the discipline it takes to, to save or to ask God for it. And now I want to just talk about the third one, the other reason why we steal. And, and this one is an interesting one. We have something and we withhold it from someone. And John Calvin, one of the great commentators, described this commandment as being guilty of theft towards God and others because you're failing to deliver what you owe or you're actually holding back. You're holding back something. This could be even being late with what you pay others or if you owe someone something. Matthew Henry, another commentator, called this sinful sparing. And I thought that was really interesting. And he said, sinful sparing, we are comforted by what we have. And therefore, we don't share it with others. So we hold back. When someone comes and asks for something, you know, like even I, I like if I'm driving and someone's like knocking, you know, knocking on my window or asking, I just, you know, look down. And, you know, there's a time and a place to give. So I'm not trying to bring conviction on you for that. But there's just like this place of withholding when someone asks you for something. And, and I think that in this place, this could also be um, your tithes, it could be your offerings, it could be what you owe your boss, it could be what you owe your teammates. It's something where you're actually withholding something because you feel like you may not have enough or you want to hold it for yourself. So when we think of these three main ways that we steal, that we need and we don't have the means to get, or we want and we cannot have, or we have and we withhold, what do we need to know about the nature of God to fulfill this commandment? If you remember in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, 
but I came to fulfill the law. So what does this mean? What do we need to know about what Jesus wants to fulfill in us to, to, with, to uphold this commandment? I, when I was reading the Ten Commandments, there was a direct parallel all through the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes for what Jesus said he was for us. So every, for every commandment, there was a promise of who Jesus was for us. So if you remember, you know, the, com- the commandment that says, rest and keep the Sabbath holy, Jesus said, come to me because I am rest. I am Sabbath. Hold on to me and I will give you rest. Um, the, there is a commandment that talks about not murdering. And then Jesus gives us, gives us this path forward where we can seek out reconciliation and forgiveness before we even let murderous thoughts grow in us. And, and, and he says he made a path for us to forgive others because he laid his life down for us. He also, there's a commandment about not lying. And what did Jesus say for us? I am truth. If you clothe yourself in truth, you don't have to lie. The light is, is, will spread out from you. And, and I push back the darkness with the truth of my light. And so for this one, the do not steal, over and over and over throughout the New Testament, Jesus talks about how he is our provider so that we do not have to steal, so that we do not have to withhold. This motivation to steal, again, I think comes from believing a lie that he doesn't see us or take care of us or provide for us or fulfill us. And yet in John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then in 1 John 5, 3, he says, John says, this is love for God. If you keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. So again, we have to grow in our love for God to even fulfill the things that he's telling us. So how do we grow in our nature of, um, or in our knowledge of God's nature? How do we allow him to expand in our hearts and our lives so that we can live out these commandments and live these transformed lives? I was thinking about, Kelly talked about um, on, on the, at the very beginning of the sermon series how to worship God alone, how to meditate on him, how to let his um, nature fill us so that we could worship him alone. And that's exactly what God was doing in Exodus 19 before he gave the Ten Commandments. Before he even gave the Israelites this whole list of things to do, he was reminding them of his nature. He was trying to give them the foundation for listening and obeying him. And and he was trying to impart to them new identity. And so I'm going to read that. I think it may be up here on the screen too. So in Exodus 19... It says, this is verses 1 through 8. Three months after leaving Egypt, the Israelites entered the wilderness of Sinai. They followed the route from Rephidim, arrived at the wilderness of Sinai, set up camp. Israel camped there facing the mountain. As Moses went up to meet God, God called down to him from that mountain. Speak to the house of Jacob. Tell the people of Israel, You have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. If you will listen obediently to what I say and keep my covenant, out of all peoples you'll be my special treasure. The whole earth is mine to choose from, but you're special 
a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. This is what I want you to tell the people of Israel. Moses came back and called the elders of Israel together and set before them all these words which God had commanded them. And the people were unanimous in their response. Everything God says we will do. Moses took the people's answer back to God. So again, this was where God was reminding the Israelites, look what I've done for you. Look who I am. I carried you on eagle's wings. I chose you to be my people. And it was there that he was imparting in them this identity about who they were to him so that they could love him and keep the commandments. So when it comes to God seeing us or taking care of us or providing for us, what does he tell us about his nature? For the first one, for those who may need to know that God will take care of your needs, we can, we can look um, in Matthew 6, 26 and 28 when he um, talked about, he said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then he goes on and he talks about um, not being worried about clothes, because look at the, the lilies of the field, that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And food and clothes are things that we need. We actually need them, and sometimes we don't have the means to get them. But even God was saying, God was saying, even um, I clothe the, the the flowers of the field, and I provide for the birds of the air. Will I not open my hand and provide for all of your needs and take care of you? And he tells us in Psalm 145, the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. So he sees our needs. For those of us who need to know that God sees our wants, he says to us in Matthew 7, ask, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, knock, and the door will be open. And I really think this is not about needs. This is about wants. These are like where you are going to the Father, and he, you can be honest about those things. Lord, I think I need a new car. That's okay. It's okay to need a new car. Lord, I think I need new flooring. It's okay. Keep knocking. Lord, I think I need a new promotion because I'm just stretched. We're stretched right now. Lord, I need more space. Can you just provide a little bit more space? Lord, I need AC in my house, central air. Lord, so you can knock and knock and ask, and he loves to hear your wants. And we don't have to be all religious, like, oh, I don't really need it. No, he says, bring your request to me, every single one of them. Open your heart up, dream. What do you want? Bring those things to me. He is a good father that loves intimacy with us, and he wants to hear what you're desiring. It's interesting, after Matthew 7, he says... Um, that's when he was talking about ask and seek and knock. He says, the pagans run, run after all these things. They pursue them. They grab them. They take hold of them on their own. But your heavenly father sees these things, and he will give them to you. He will respond to you. So we want, we want to go after the father instead of going after all these things like the pagans do. We want to go to the father and, and ask. And then lastly, for those who need to know that God is enough, so that you can give more abundantly, we can be reminded of Matthew 5:42, where it says, Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. 
And also later in Luke, another translation, it says, if give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't even ask for it back. He's even calling for another level of freedom. If someone takes something and, and they don't give it back, just forget about it. Just let it go. Could we live that freely? I think that that's what he's calling us to. And that's like a whole new level of freedom. That's the spacious place that I long for, that's free of restrictions, where I don't even care about my possessions like that anymore. Proverbs 11:24 also says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. And that, I feel like, is the crux of this part. When we are withholding, we actually come to poverty of the Spirit because we are believing this lie that God isn't rich and graciously generous towards us. But there's something about letting go and just opening up that you actually come into greater riches because you're not attached to your possessions anymore. I also just want to point out, I thought that there's a verse in Ephesians 4.28 that says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. He must work. Do something useful with their hands so that they may have something to share with those in, needs. And I, in need. And I thought that was such a, just a great practical verse. I mean, it's like God is basically saying, I do want you to work. I want you to have so that you can give, so that you can save, so that you can spend, so that you can graciously give to those around you. And when you are doing honest work and you are storing up honest wages, you can share with those that are in need. And you also experience something for yourself as well. So we're actually going to move now into a time of response. And so if the band wants to come up, um, I have just a few questions that I would like for you to be thinking about during this response time. The first is, where do you need new revelation of God's provision in your life so that you can fulfill this commandment and be transformed? Maybe you need to know that God is enough for you so that you don't need to take matters into your own hands and take what doesn't belong to you. Or maybe you need to know that God has given abundantly to you so that you can stop withholding from his church and his people so that you can give generously when people ask. So as we go into this time, I would love for you to just ask, Lord, is there any place where I need to know that you're enough for me? Is there any place that I need to be giving more generously, that I need to receive revelation of who you are? And I would also just say that um, if you want prayer about this, just come up here. I'll be here to pray for you. There may be others that can come pray for you. Um, we won't think that you're shop like a shoplifter. So don't worry about that. But we want to impart revelation of who Jesus is so that you can live a transformed life. We all want that. And so please don't hesitate to do that.